You're listening to the PFWC podcast with me, Carly Compton, a podcast created to help you learn strategies to overcome that bully inside your head, ways to practice self-love, awareness and understanding of eating disorders, how to embrace the body you have been given, and develop a healthy relationship with food, exercise, and most importantly, yourself. Here at the PFWC Podcast, we find it important to create a safe space and a place for individuals to come to learn how to create that lifestyle that works for them. We're dropping comparisons, fighting unrealistic beauty standards, and coming together to show the world that all bodies are beautiful and that healthy looks different on everyone. Sit back, relax, and get ready to grow together. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the PFWC podcast. I am so excited for today's episode because I'm sitting down with Jessie, um, someone who I've been following for quite some time. I'm not going to tell you too much about her. I want her to be able to um, explain who she is and what she does. Um, so welcome, Jessie, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Carly. I'm so excited to have you. Um, like I said, I've been following you for quite some time. I love everything that you're posting. I think that you're doing amazing work. And so I'm really excited to be sitting down and having these really important conversations with you and, um, kind of just allowing people to feel comfortable about talking about these things that can seem really, really hard, um, Mm -hmm. and that are really hard to go through. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really excited to have this conversation today. So -hmm. let's just start off. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, all of that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here and excited to connect and hopefully to provide a bunch of value to listeners who potentially are struggling with their relationship with food or their relationship with their body. So a little background on me, I struggled um, in various eating disorders from binge eating, overeating, emotional eating, and everything in between for about a decade. And during this time in my life, I was dealing with so much food anxiety, so much anxiety over my weight that it was paralyzing at times. And it was so mentally exhausting that at my lowest point, I questioned whether life was even worth it. Um, and I, I did everything I knew how to do everything that I, that promised the solution. I did it. I put myself, although I was terrified, I put myself into therapy. I attended overeaters anonymous, which is much like AA, a 12 step program. Um, and I did different recovery programs, different, um, fitness and nutrition programs. I tried everything, anything and everything to try and just find balance. And what I wanted seemed really simple to me. I wanted to feel good in my own skin and I wanted to have a easy, effortless, normal relationship with food, but I I couldn't seem to get that. And when I turned to the recovery, um, kind of the recovery industry, I know it was well intentioned, but a, a lot of the people, therapists, programs that I turned to, I started to have this belief, although they were well intentioned, I started to have this belief that, that I couldn't have the ease and the effortlessness that I wanted in my relationship with food and also feel comfortable in my own skin. And so I was terrified to pursue recovery because in my mind, recovery meant I was going to spiral out of control and I was going to gain all of this weight and I was never going to be able to stop. And then when I turned to the health and wellness industry to look for, you know, a better understanding of nutrition, and maybe it was something in my nutrition why I couldn't find balance. I remember it being so extreme that 
it was all about um, sticking to certain diets or sticking, sticking to certain programs. And I felt like there was no concern for my relationship with food. It was all about discipline and and I just felt like there was no middle ground to be had. And so it was very mentally exhausting. It took up so much of my mental real estate, whether it was in the, the forefront of my mind or the back of my mind, I felt like I was always thinking about food and worrying about my body and my weight. And it continued for years and years and years. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm, I'm driven, I'm disciplined, I'm accomplishing other things in life. Why can't I get this area of my life figured out? And it made me feel crazy. It made what was going on inside my head really made me feel crazy. And, um, I was never formally diagnosed with an eating disorder. And so I then questioned, did I really even have a problem? And so it was just this mental war that I was, that I was constantly dealing with. And by the time I finally dug my way out of what I call that mental hell hole, I started to feel like I had a moral obligation to help other women who are struggling because it took me so long to get out of it. And at one point, like I said, I questioned if life was even worth it because I was just tired. I was sick of it. I was exhausted. Um, and so that's what led me to where I'm at now living a, a balanced lifestyle, actually no longer experiencing the impulse to binge or overeat. My perception of recovery used to be, it used to really be if, if I wasn't going to binge or overeat, it was it was because I was going to get stronger and develop more willpower and more discipline, but I'd always feel the impulse to do so. Well, I learned the techniques and the strategies through a lot of trial and error to actually be able to reprogram how my brain functions around food. So I no longer even, I don't feel impulses to binge. I don't feel impulses to overeat. I naturally lose interest in food when I'm full. And that used to be something that was laughable to me. Like there's no way I would ever do that. I used to clean my plate. If I was in the presence of, you know, sweets, I had to eat them all. Holidays would totally go overboard traveling. It was a screw up mentality. So to be in this place where I naturally lose interest in food when I'm full, I eat when I'm hungry. I'm not thinking about food all the time. I'm not stressed about my weight and I'm not on a diet and I'm able to maintain a healthy body weight for my body. It, I call it mountaintop living because it, it was once a dream and I didn't even think that it was possible. And that's why I'm so passionate about sharing this message because there's so many women who have reached out to me who don't believe that recovery, that kind of freedom is actually possible. And I'm here to say, I don't care, you know, what you've heard from, you know, somebody you look up to, whether that's a doctor, a medical professional, a psychiatrist, I don't care what you've heard from them. If they've told you that you in some way, shape or form are going to have to live with this the rest of your life, I want everybody to know that that's not true. You can reprogram your brain. I was just on um, Dr. Caroline Leaf's podcast last week, and she's a neuroscientist. And we were talking about how um, this, this idea of being able to reprogram your brain and how powerful it is to understand how to work in sync with your brain so that you can get to this place where you truly can have freedom. And so that's my mission. That's what I believe God placed me on this earth to do was to help women find freedom mm -hmm. from that. So that's who I am. I got my certification from the Institute for the Psychology of Eating so I could be credentialed to help women um, in this process. And that's what I do now full time. I love that. I mean, I relate to so much of what you're mm -hmm. saying and, um, my experience, you know, 
I struggled with bulimia for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was the same way. I never thought there was ever going to be a point where I was going to not live without Mm -hmm. bulimia. I thought that it was just something that was going to be a part of me for the rest of my life. Um, and I, I wasn't really surrounded by people who, um, were encouraging me and telling me that that wasn't the case. Um, and so that made it also really hard to be, you know, surrounded by people who don't necessarily understand what you're going through. Um, and also, you know, who are like, yeah, well, dieting's normal. Like that's just what we do for the rest of our lives. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's, it's hard to be in that environment and to be in that place where you truly feel like, dieting is just what we're meant to do. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I love that you're, you know, using your voice and, um, there are so many people out there who are speaking out against diet culture and speaking out against diets and, and really just saying that, no, this isn't, this isn't what we're meant to do. This isn't normal. This isn't natural. This isn't healthy. Um, and so I love that so much. Um, you had mentioned, the point of, um, you know, kind of feeling that going to that place where you don't feel triggered anymore, or you don't have that feeling of wanting to binge anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, were there strategies or anything in, in particular that you used through your recovery that kind of helped you during those times when you did feel the urge mm-hmm. to, um, use a behavior? Um, what was it that you did through your recovery for that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm all about talking about the tangibles. I think that so often when we're struggling in our relationship with food and we're, and I'm I'm so excited that there is more and more people speaking out against diet culture. But I think what's also happening is, um, there's, there's a lot of people who are talking about it and they're very passionate and there's people who are very afraid to even pursue recovery for fear of spiraling out of control or for fear of, you know, not being able to be in the body that they've been, you know, indoctrinated to believe is going to give them their worth. And so it's very scary. And I think what I would say to the people who are terrified to, to find freedom is I just want to remind you that you can have it all. You can feel good and confident in your own skin and have an easy, effortless relationship with food. But if you don't prioritize taking care of your mental health, Mm -hmm. then, then you will continue to build up this internal pressure that causes us to eventually snap and binge, whether we're dipping our toes in bulimia or anorexia or whatever it is, it doesn't matter where you fall on the spectrum in terms of, in terms of your behaviors with food, this is applicable to all. So the tangible techniques and tools healing from an unhealthy relationship with food is a multidimensional process because it's not only biological in terms of what happens inside the body and inside the brain when we program in certain behaviors and responses. It's also, it's, it's psychological, it's emotional. It, 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 we're impacted by society and our upbringing, it's environmental. And so we have to tackle it from a number of different angles if we're ever going to do so successfully. And that's why I truly believe while therapy was useful for some, for a lot of things in my life. And I'm a big believer in therapy. That's why it wasn't, I believe why it wasn't successful for me in helping me stop my behaviors with food was because it was one angled. Mm -hmm. We were approaching things from an emotional place and we weren't tackling 
the biological, we weren't tackling um, the what was going on in terms of my repetitive thought patterns. And it was, it, we need to tackle this struggle from multiple different angles. So when I share these techniques and tools, remember that one technique and one tool isn't going to help you heal your relationship with food. You need a toolbox. Mm-hmm. And so one of the techniques to answer your question, when you're feeling triggered to cope with an unhealthy behavior, whether that is bulimia or whether that's binge eating or, you know, whatever the the unhealthy coping strategy is. Um, There's a lot of techniques, but here's one that's um, that you will likely feel a little bit of a shift immediately with, and that is utilizing different breathing techniques. So a lot of times when you feel that impulse to binge or you feel that impulse to overeat, the first place that most people go is inside their head. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Like, don't do it. You're sticking to this diet or you're doing this thing and you start talking to yourself and you try and convince yourself. You're trying to get out of what you're dealing with, with your mind. And the mind is well-intentioned. It's a well-intentioned, misguided friend. As my current therapist says, it's a well-intentioned, misguided friend. So it's got good intentions, but your brain, if you have programmed in the response of binge eating, overeating, emotional eating, if that's been something you've been doing repeatedly, you program that into your brain, um, thinking your way out of it isn't likely going to be a very effective strategy. So instead, one of the fastest ways we can actually change what's happening in the brain is to change what's happening in the body. And so instead of trying to think your way out of a binge or overeating or you know purging, Instead, if we can change the physical state of the body by either changing our oxygen levels, changing our heart rate, changing our body temperature, if we can do something to change the way the body is physically feeling, it triggers the brain to respond differently. The brain lights up, the brain comes online, like I like to call it, and it starts, you start thinking differently. And so the best way, the way most people understand this is I say, did you ever, have you ever had a hard workout? don't you think clear? Don't you feel different mentally after a hard workout? Well, yeah, because it's a reset for the brain. So we can stimulate that same um, chemical rush of the feel good hormones by doing other things. And so breath work um, is really powerful and a, a technique that I teach my clients. If you're feeling the impulse, you're feeling the urge to binge, here's a, here's a breathing technique that is pretty powerful to help you change your body's physical state, which will help influence what's happening in your mind and reduce that feeling of impulse. The first thing I would say is avoid going into the headspace. I can't do it. I'm not allowed to binge. Don't eat the thing. Don't eat the thing. Instead say, you know what? That's totally fine. If I want to eat that thing in five minutes, 10 minutes from now, I can, but I'm going to challenge myself first to ground myself and come online mentally. So I'm mindful instead of mindless. And I'm going to use this breathing technique to just see if it reduces the impulse or it makes me feel a little more mentally clear. So listeners, you might think I'm crazy, but give this a try the next time you feel an impulse to binge or overeat. So you're going to go in through the nose. You're going to do quick breath in through the nose and you're going to forcefully push it out the mouth like this. Just like that, in through the nose, out through the mouth. You're going to do that for 30 breaths, and you're going to feel a little lightheaded, a little dizzy. And I even teach my um, the women inside my Food Freedom Online program to reach their hands up to the sky when they're taking a deep breath in, and then pull down 
when they exhale. So reach up to the sky with your arms and then pull those arms down on the exhale. And you do that 30 times. Obviously, if you're in an office, if you're around people, they might think you're crazy. So best to do this when you're in your own space alone. Um, do that 30 times and then return the breath to normal. And then bring your breathing back to normal. And just regulate your breath. Let it get back to normal for about 30 seconds to a minute. And then repeat another 30 breaths, those quick breaths. And then let the rest for about a 30 seconds to a minute. Repeat that whole thing three to five times. You're going to feel a little dizzy. You might feel, and you're, you're going to make, want to make sure you consult your doctor. That's my disclaimer there. If you're mm -hmm. pregnant, you, this isn't the best time to do this. If you have heart issues, things of that nature. Um, but you're going to feel maybe a little bit dizzy, a little bit tingly, but you're also going to feel your physical body change because you're flooding the brain and the body with oxygen essentially. And so the brain is coming online, like what's going on? And what happens is, is because the body's physical state has changed, you're going to be more energized because that's an energizing breath pattern because the body's physical state has changed the amount of anxiety you're experiencing and that the sensation of impulse is going to reduce. It might not keep you from binging if you're really deep in the cycles and you don't have some of the other techniques and tools, but what it is going to do is it's going to delay the behavior if you're willing to try it and weakening the neural pathways that keep us in the cycles of binge eating, emotional eating, compulsive overeating is it starts with delaying the behavior, but we have to do it strategically. Mm -hmm. And so if you feel an impulse to binge and you act on it immediately, you're strengthening that neural pathway in the brain. You're strengthening that habit loop. You're ingraining it deeper in the brain. If you feel the impulse, decide I'm going to try one of the tools in my tool belt. I'm going to try this breathing exercise I heard on Carly's podcast. And then maybe you still act on the impulse to binge. You've at least created a delay, mm -hmm. which begins to weaken that neural pathway. However, most people, what they do is they feel the impulse and then they white knuckle it to try and delay, to try not to do it. And it's actually strengthening it because when they white knuckle it, their anxiety is increasing and emotion is the glue to what's happening in the brain. It, 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 it programs it in deeper. So we need to utilize delay techniques and strategies that reduce anxiety and ground us so our, we become more emotionally neutral instead of emotionally charged, which wires in those things in our brain deeper. Mm -hmm. So give the breathing exercise a try the next time you feel an impulse and see if it helps reduce that feeling of impulse. It, it might even change your desire to binge, mm -hmm. but even if it doesn't in the moment, it will delay it, which weakens the strength of that neural pathway in the brain. Yeah. I love that. I mean, honestly, that's something I've never thought about, you know, mm -hmm. and the whole explanation of, you know, you explaining how you didn't have a lot of success with your therapist in terms of your eating disorder, because there were, there's a whole lot more to it than the emotional side of it. Um, I think that's something that's so important because, you know, it's, it's not something that's regularly thought about or talked about when it comes to eating disorders and, um, you know, being able to have that technique and that strategy to try, um, that's mm -hmm. something that I'm always telling people is like, you're going to try things that don't work. 
you're going to try things that do work. And it's just really important that you're, um, you're putting in that effort, you're trying, you're, you're trying these new strategies. And, you know, that's something that I am really excited to try. Mm-hmm. Um, even, you know, not even in terms of behaviors, but just in life, you know, when mm-hmm. I'm feeling, you know, stressed or overwhelmed, just stepping back and breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's, it's really, really productive. It's really helpful. Um, and I think that it's really important to remind people that, it's okay to step back and take the, take that time for yourself when you're feeling that overwhelming feeling. Um, because I do think that with my experience in the recovery world and the eating disorder world, there have been a lot of people who are saying, you know, just yell at your eating disorder, just yell at it. Just stay Mm. in your head. Don't go away, go away. Mm. And, you know, sometimes I feel like that's not very effective because then you have this like really stressful conversation going on inside of your head between your eating disorder and yourself where you're like, go away. No, I'm here. Go away. No, I'm here. And then like you said, that anxiety builds and then you're really anxious and then, you know, it feels that urge to have a behavior get stronger. Um, so yeah, I think it's so important that, you know, people find those strategies to step back and kind of feel in their body, um, Mm -hmm. and not just in their head and really just using those strategies to get your whole body involved, um, Mm -hmm. and to switch and change what, you know, what your brain is thinking or, you know, turn your brain back on, I'm going into online mode. So I love that. I think that's super powerful and super helpful. Um, Thank you for sharing. (laughs) Honestly, that's not something I am really familiar with. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's something that I'm really excited to try. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And what you you said about, about fighting your eating disorder, I've heard, you know, similar strategies or individuals, or, you know, recovery therapist or different protocols that involve kind of this model of talking to the eating disorder and, you know, fighting against it. And the reality is if we see it as, if we see it as something that we have to fight, then we are building this internal pressure to, to rise up and try and white knuckle it. Mm -hmm. And develop more strength against it. And the reality is that is creating a pressure inside us that wells up and needs an outlet. Mm -hmm. And so that outlet for those of us who have struggled with food is food. Mm -hmm. It's numbing out with food. It's finding a release with food. It's finding relief from the anxiety with food. And so what we have to realize is our number one objective is to reduce that internal pressure. And how do we do that? We have to ground ourselves and breath work is a beautiful way to do that. Mm-hmm. There's so many different techniques that help reduce the pressure because the, the impulsivity is a result of all this built up pressure inside. So you want to start to fight? Well, get ready for more pressure to be built up inside you that eventually once you snap and fatigue, because we all will when we have to deal with so much pressure, then you're going to need to cope and you're going to need to turn to food or whatever that unhealthy coping mechanism is for you at this point. So we have to recognize the goal is not to fight this thing. The goal is to work in sync with the brain. So we no longer have to even deal with this thing. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I 
wanted to ask you about your relationship with exercise and your relationship with movement, because, um, I relate a lot to what you're posting on your Instagram and on your Instagram story and talking about that unhealthy relationship with movement and that urge to, um, exercise, to burn a certain amount of calories or to change your body drastically, which, you know, unfortunately is something that a lot of people deal with when it comes to their relationship with exercise and their relationship with movement. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would love to hear, um, kind of how you made that transition from, you know, that not so healthy relationship with exercise to a more enjoyable relationship with movement. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, you know, I relate so much and I would love to hear what that looked like for you. Yeah, absolutely. So it, I used to be obsessed with working out because I was afraid that if I didn't, I would gain weight. And, mm-hmm. um, it turned in, into this very anxiety filled thing in my life where, you know, if somebody invited me out, if my parents invited me out, they were in town, they wanted to go out to dinner. Well, oh my gosh, it was the end of the world because I was going to have to miss the gym. And I was always so stressed about getting my workout in. And if I didn't get my workout in, then I would adjust what I ate for the mm-hmm. day. And, Um, and so I never wanted to eat less food. So I always had to work out. And when I was working out, I didn't feel like if, you know, if I wasn't crawling out of the gym because I was so exhausted, I didn't feel like I did enough. Um, and so it was, it was very much so fueled by disgust in my body instead of, um, taking care of my body and active self-love. It wasn't that at all. And, and my relationship with exercise and healing that really, it, it was a process that unfolded over time. So when I, I competed in bikini competitions, which the, anybody who hasn't, it's just a form of extreme dieting. You just diet harder, longer than a normal diet. You just take mm-hmm. it to the extreme. And, um, when I was doing that, I was living in the gym. I was working out, you know, two, two and a half, sometimes three hours a day, doing up to an hour of cardio a day. And, you know, with strength training and lifting, and I was just exhausted and, fatigued. I lost my period. My hair was falling out. My acne was really bad. I mean, everything was just falling apart for the sake of seeing the number go down on the scale. And if the number went up on the scale, I would get up and I would weigh myself. And if that number was higher than it was the day before, it determined my entire mood for the day. It was, I felt less than, I felt like a failure. I felt um, just not enough. When the number went down, I remember it filled me with a feeling of such deep pride. Like I'm, I'm now worthy. I'm doing the right thing. And it was, I mean, my mood was, was dictated by what I saw on the scale. And so when I was coming out of that, it was, I was exhausted and I couldn't keep going as hard as I was going. I couldn't maintain it. And, um, healing that my relationship with exercise was a process of at first, I just needed to take time away from the gym. I was having so much anxiety in the gym that at one point I had a mental breakdown in the gym. I um, was so emaciated at one point that um, I could hardly lift the bar doing squats. And I remember feeling like I don't have the strength in my body to stand up and this weight is going to crush me. And, um, And I just had a mental breakdown over it. I was just so I was so fragile mentally and I had to learn to rest and I had to learn that I was worthy of rest and that rest wasn't weakness. Rest was self care. Mm -hmm. And so 
through, you know, through the years of healing my relationship with exercise, I went from um, really taking time off of the gym and not everybody has to, but I definitely started to take more time off of the gym, giving myself more permission to have more rest days. And it was hard because I was used to exercising almost every single day. And so giving myself permission to rest more, I felt weird because we feel different when we exercise. So I felt weird. My hormones were all out of whack. And then I started to have to um, look into, can I engage in movement that I actually enjoy? Why do I, I started questioning, why do I feel like I have to do this certain workout routine? Why do I have to do cardio? Why do I have to lift weights? Like, can I explore taking different fitness classes or different forms of movement, whether that be yoga or, you know, Pilates or trying a dance class? Am I willing to let myself expand my definition of exercise? And as I hiking, you know, as I started to do that, I started to find joy again in movement. And it went from, I have to, to, wow, that was really fun to get out and hike a few miles and see this beautiful scene. And wow, I broke a sweat and I feel great. And so it unfolded in phases. And for a couple of years after my recovery, I was really just in a process of discovery. Mm-hmm. This is what I share with the women in my food freedom online program. I say, you know, you can go in phases with it. Maybe at this phase in your journey, it feels like you're going to explore different different uh, fitness classes instead of feeling like you have to go in and do cardio and do these weights. What if you explored, you know, different forms of movement for a while, see how they make you feel. And instead of, you know, I should do this because of how many calories I burn, take off those calorie counting watches and apps and just focus on how do I feel right now? Do you feel better than when you started? And also auditing what you're saying to yourself when you're working out. I used to say things in my head, like, um, just five more minutes because of, you know, what you ate the night before you overdid it, just give it 10 more minutes or just get to this calorie burn number instead of doing that. And instead of beating myself up when I work out, I switched my internal dialogue to things like I started, you know, I still wanted to push. I still wanted to get a good workout in, but I wanted it to be motivated from a place of love and a healthy Mm -hmm. mind instead of tearing myself down. And so I started to say things like, your ability to physically endure this pain or push through right now is, um, is a metaphor for your mental fortitude and your mental strength. You can do this. What you can endure physically is a sign of what you can endure mentally. And so I would, I was trying to train myself to think about this in a different light. And, and then I remember there was times where I would dedicate a certain set or a a certain exercise. I would say, okay, this whole exercise, I'm going to think about, you know, this person in my life who's really struggling. And if they can get through this thing that they're dealing with, I can get through another set of these squats or I can get through, I can run two more minutes or whatever. And so I started to just fuel myself with different things and, and tell myself, you know, you are doing this, you are working out as an act of self-love and self-respect. How does your energy feel right now? And it became less about punishing my body and more about caring for my body. But there's, there were seasons where I needed to just take more breaks and rest Mm -hmm. more. And so I think that's really important to the person who's struggling maybe with orthorexia, um, or, you know, or just feeling so, so much anxiety around the gym, give yourself permission to rest. It is an act of self-care. It's not something that needs to be earned. Mm -hmm. Your body deserves rest. Yeah. I, 
I feel like I'm saying this over and over again on this episode, but I agree so much because I had to do the same exact thing when I started my recovery. A huge part of my eating disorder was also over-exercising, extreme exercise. Um, And a lot of the same feelings that you described, that feeling of guilt when you didn't exercise, that feeling of, okay, I ate this, so now I need to, I need to work out harder. Mm-hmm. All of these things that, you know, unfortunately I feel like the fitness industry has kind of like formed itself as, is like you work out because you are burning off this, what you ate, or you work out because you're trying to get abs, or you work out because you're trying to do this. Um, and so I, of course it's hard for people to make that transition into a healthier, healthier relationship with exercise because we're being thrown all of these things, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to exercise and when it comes to movement. But I agree so much with you, you saying that you had to change what you were saying to yourself when you were exercising. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, a huge thing for me was I, had to, of course, also take a break. I had to um, give my body the time to heal from all of the years that it spent over exercising and just being completely tired and fatigued all the time. Um, And I had to really, you know, when I had those days where I was resting, I had to really be aware of what thoughts I was having um, and kind of just reminding myself like this is part of the journey. You know, this rest is necessary. This is something that your body needs. Um, You're going to come out of this so much stronger mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I relate to that so, so much. And I think that for a lot of people, especially the people that I've worked with, there's always that question of like, well, how do I work out without having these thoughts? Like, how do I move my body in a way that um, isn't focused around physical change or um, Mm. burning calories? And so I think you explained that so well and just, you know, being able to give yourself that rest. Um, Also changing the way that you speak to yourself when you are exercising. Um, For me, I love to use the term movement. Um, I think it's just for me and people that I've worked with, it's just a lot more positive. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people don't have a super uh, positive reaction to the word exercise because people have had not so positive relationships with it. And so like you explained, exploring new forms of movement is really fun. I think it can be fun. It can feel like it it takes this huge weight off your shoulders because Mm -hmm. it removes that um, need to have to go to the gym for two hours and, you know, lift heavy weights and do all of that. And that for a lot of people, that is what exercise is and only is. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, it was really important to try different things, hiking, dancing, you know, some days I want to do a really tough body weight hit workout at home and I want to sweat really bad. Um, and some days I just want to walk my dog or I just want to turn on a song and dance, you know, and mm-hmm. I think it's just so important, um, to remember for those listening that, you know, movement and exercise, there's not just one form. There's not just one type. It's different for everyone. Yeah. And like you explained, having that feeling of enjoyment and doing it out of, um, you know, love for your body and celebration for your body and what you're able to do and capable of doing. Um, I think if you can start to look at it that way, I think mm-hmm. that it's that relationship will start to change and, and evolve into something more positive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I mean, like what you said, it's something that 
I, for me, especially, I was trained to think of exercise and movement as something, you know, as one specific thing and same with food, you know, like Mm -hmm. I mentioned in the beginning, like I was raised in a family that was constantly dieting and constantly Mm -hmm. talking about diets and, um, all of that stuff. So it's, it's hard to rewire and retrain your brain. Like I said, it's so possible. It's Mm -hmm. so possible. And I think as long as you're surrounding yourself with the right people and you're getting the right, you know, help and support, um, you're going to get to that place because you said, I mean, you and I both, we, we both were at a place where we felt like that was never possible. And, Mm -hmm. you know, here we are now talking about these experiences and how we got to where we are today. And so for anyone listening, if you are feeling like you're in a place where that relationship with food and that relationship with exercise that we talk about and that we explain, um, isn't possible for you. I just want you to know that it 100% is. And, um, I know it can feel really, really hard and really frustrating, especially when you're, you know, maybe surrounded by people who are constantly talking about dieting or constantly talking about, weight loss. Um, just, Mm -hmm. just know that it it, it totally is possible. And Mm -hmm. we are an example of that. And we're here to always help be there for you to give you that support and to give you that, that, um, feedback and remind you that it's possible because I don't know about you. And I'm sure you have had multiple people reach out to you who are like, I don't know what to do. I've tried everything. I, I want this relationship with food that you describe. Um, and so I think that, you know, it's something that just constantly has to be reminded. People just need to be reminded of it is possible. It 100% is possible. Um, so we're going to go ahead and, uh, wrap it up, but I wanted to just ask where people can find you. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I've loved getting to chat about this and for those who have, have, um, have listened or listening to this, um, it is possible, like Carly said, and, not only do you need to be reminded and filled with hope, you need tangibles, tangible techniques, tools, strategies, a step-by-step process. Cause we can talk about how possible it is and where we're at. And until you know how to walk it and how to get there, it can feel, it can feel very disheartening to hear stories of it's possible. It's possible. It's possible, but not knowing how to get there. And so that is why I am so passionate about what I do and Um, you know, I hang out with, I hang out on my podcast, the dear body podcast. I share a lot more information, tangible tools, strategies, techniques. I'm on Instagram at Jesse Jean. Um, and then my program where I spend the majority of my time with my clients, the food freedom online program, it's a four month online program that helps, um, helps you rewire your brain as it relates to food and body so that you can find the freedom and the confidence and fulfill your purpose without the weight of these struggles holding you back so that you can live what I call mountaintop living where you have this easy, effortless relationship with food and confidence in your own skin. So that's where I spend all of my time when I'm not camping and in the mountains Mm -hmm. with my husband and my friends. So Carly, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Thank you so much for all of your incredible feedback and advice and Um, I, I know I learned a lot and, um, I'm really excited to hear, you know, what others have to say about what they took away from this podcast. So thank you so much for being here and for having such a great conversation with me.